We're getting started here. Um, our verse, uh, our main verse for the day is going to start in Matthew 25, so you can, you can start getting, uh, getting yourselves ready there. But uh, there's something I wanted to talk about a little bit kind of leading into this. So there is an, uh, there's an age-old institution. It's old as recorded history. It's indelibly weaved through the fabrics of culture. And, and this ritual is really the glue for familial relationships. It's an instrumental foundation of, of nuclear hierarchy. Uh, and it's an essential piece of, of childhood development. And this arra arrangement is mutually understood by all uh, and even begrudgingly accepted by those among the male population who benefit least as they know that they too will be the recipient of those benefits themselves one day. So what is this age-old institution, this, this instrumental foundation of the family? Uh, I, I am, of course, referring to the dad tax, which we all had Easter. We're all familiar with what the dad tax is. And that's when you see your kid have a bunch of candy and uh, you see one that looks really good and you say, dad tax, and you get it. Uh, this, <laughs> uh, my kids, I learned this from a very young age. They actually thought it was funny at first to where they'd bring me their bag of candy and go, tax me, daddy. Um, and now they don't think it's so funny anymore. Um, but this is, this is just unspoken rules. Dads get a little bit of it. Um, and this is, uh, this is true to, to some extent because we know that mostly what our kids get, they get from us. If we go to the store and we buy them a bag of candy, that came from us. Um, and then a little bit of a, of a kind of a kickback, so it's a very good thing. Um, and this doesn't just apply to the family. So imagine to yourself for just a minute, and, and this is going to feel very familiar because I'm sure this has happened to people. So you're on a road trip with, uh, with one of your kids or multiple of your kids, and you can't pass by a McDonald's or a Quick Trip without them going, I'm hungry. And they probably just ate, but they're always going to be hungry. And so you stop maybe at the Golden Arches and you get them their food, their, their meal. They got the French fries and they get their French fries and you go, well, I'm going to snack a little bit of that. And all the chorus starts, get your own. These are mine. Even though you just handed it to them, you just bought it. Uh, get your own. These are mine. And um, I think in a lot of ways that in a childlike way sort of mirrors what goes on in the world among the adults and how we treat what, uh, what God has given us. So uh, title of the message today, we are managers of God's kingdom. We are stewards of God's kingdom. So let's start Matthew 25 verse 14. For it is just, talking about the kingdom of God, for it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. Immediately, the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had traded, received the two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and bought, brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Also, the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. 
His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid, and went away, and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow, and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank, and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him, and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So what does it mean to be a steward? Uh, if you're not familiar with the term, which everybody probably is, a steward is an overseer. You are a manager. You're a caretaker of property that is not yours. Key point here. It's not yours. It's been entrusted to you. You're someone that has been given the responsibility to care for and watch over something that has been entrusted to you by someone else. I've heard it, uh, well, when we look at who we are as children of God, as stewards of what is God's, um, I heard a, a pastor mention that, uh, that originally the, he, his thoughts were originally the angels were kind of the stewards, and then of course you had the rebellion and Satan's fall and, and everything, and then humans were created as, as the new caretakers, as the new employees. Um, and I don't know that I agree 100% with that, in that I don't think God really operates with a plan B. If his plan was for us to be stewards, it was the plan from the beginning. Um, but he's right in that it's like a job. This is like our employment. We are to be stewards of God's kingdom. So in this parable, the story is about money entrusted to this man's servants, but the application extends far beyond just money. Um, you've probably heard this parable preached when they refer to talents as we use it in the modern sense, like if you have a, a talent or a skill. Um, it, it can definitely apply there. But I think the story is put into terms of money purposefully uh, because it conveys something. Uh, a talent. A talent of silver is 75 pounds of solid silver. And it's a little hard to put a figure on what that was in, in Jesus' time because, like today, money changes value. But I've heard estimates that put a single talent of silver as worth about 10,000 denarii. Now, if you are familiar with the diary, it's, it's a one day's worth of wages. 10,000 denarii, if you kind of factor in life expectancy and the work week of what you would see back in Jesus' day, if we were kind of figuring off a five-day work week, is nearly 40 years worth of wages, which for most people, that was your working life. That was your career. You started when you were young until you were about 55 to 60, 40 years worth of labor. And I don't think that's an accident. When he says he was given one talent, it's a lifetime's worth of wages. That's one life. And I think that was maybe intentional, but take, take that to mean what you will there. There are two very important things that stand out to me when we're talking about stewardship. 
one we've already hit on. First, it's important to remember that what has been entrusted to you is not yours. If we look at the passage, it says the man was about to go on a journey. He called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. Later, it says gave him back his money. These are not these possessions are not yours. Psalms 24 verse one says the earth is the Lord's and all it contains the world and those who dwell in it. Lest you think you've gained anything by your own abilities, David takes everything in the universe, everything in your universe, and puts it in a box, and he grabs a sharp and he writes, this is God's on the box, property of God's. Uh, you cannot create anything that is not God's. You cannot destroy anything that's not his. Uh, you are playing in someone else's house with his possessions, and it's really important to remember that because what you do with those possessions and those things that have been entrusted to you matter, matter a lot. In First uh, Chronicles uh, 29, 11, it says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth, yours is the dominion, O Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. This was also David talking. Um, might have known what he was talking about. Much later in life, as a very old man, much like in the parable of the talents, None of the men in the parable came with money of their own. It was just entrusted to them. And we are the same. It's not ours, it's God's. Our responsibilities and the things we're given to take care of are God's, ultimately. And that's the first thing that's important to remember about being a steward. The second thing to remember is that you are to take care of whatever you've been put in charge of to the absolute best of your ability. Because God will give you a letter grade in the end. Um, if you notice in the, pa in the passage in verse uh, 19, it says the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Also, notice that the talents are dispersed each according to his own ability. If the one man's ability was only able to handle one talent, that's why he was given one, two, and five, because it matched their ability. The responsibilities God will give you are commiserate with your abilities. And there will be an accounting in the end according to that ability. Uh, you notice the, the man with the two talents that came and said, hey, I've got two more. He did, the master didn't say, well, why didn't you get five? This guy got five. Why didn't you get five? You will be judged according to your ability and to the amount that you were given. 1 Corinthians 1, 4 through 5, talking about stewards, says, In this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. But to me, it is a very small thing that I may be examined by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even examine myself, for I am conscious of nothing against myself. Yet I am not by this acquitted, but the one who examines me is the Lord. Therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts. And then each man's praise will come to him from God. So in the parable of the talents, each of the men were called forward to give an account for what they did with what they were entrusted. And if you notice the praise for the man who only gained two talents, the praise was the same as the praise of the man who gained five. And it would have been the same as the man who would have if he had only gained one. God doesn't measure you against what others do. Only against what you do with what he gave you. In 1 Corinthians 3, 12 through 15, it says, Now if any man builds 
on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. Each man's works will become evident, for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work in which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so is through fire, singed and smelling like smoke. So the master is coming back, and he's going to be keenly interested in how you've managed his resources, his kingdom. So again, two things to remember. It's not yours, it's his. And we are required to take care of it to the best of our ability. So what are the, some of these things that he has made us a steward of? And, they, and there's a huge list. You know, if you think of everything in, in, you know, incorporated into the kingdom of God and that we as children are called to be caretakers of, it's, it's a big list. But I wanted to hit on a few that, that, are, that are major and that stood out to me. Um, uh, first one would be God makes us stewards of his earth. This is actually the first commandment ever given. If you go to Genesis 1, 28, it says God blessed them, talking about Adam and Eve, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is the first stewardship assignment. This is fresh made humans, first job you do. Being green is not really the goal of this, by the way, when we're talking about taking care of our planet and our environment. Being a good steward is the goal. We're entrusted to take care of this world, not to destroy it. But we're also told to serve, um, we're, we're stewards of the planet and servants of God, not servants of the planet. And so that's a very keen distinction. Uh, now, we're not told to worship it, you know. Uh, I have no use for people that would rather save whales than babies. You know, that sort of thing's not, not I think, in, in alignment with the things of God. Uh, but saving whales is a good thing. Um, practicing responsible foresting habits, these are all good things. They're, they're part of being a good steward. Um, children of God uh, should be probably the best caretakers of their environment. Again, not to serve the environment, to serve God, um, but take care of what he's given us. Um, if, you know, we shouldn't be out there being the ones that are littering, being the ones that are, that are hurting, um, you know, our environment more than, more than is necessary. The practicing responsible foresting habits is a good thing. Um, trying to develop technologies that lessen harmful effects is a good thing. But again, we are servants of God and stewards of our planet. We are not servants of our planet. And that's a careful distinction to make. The, because, and why? Because again, the earth is his. This is why we're taking care of it. We're not taking care of it because we owe the earth anything. It is a possession of God's. That's been entrusted to us. So we need to take care of it. And we need to take care of it to the best of our ability in keeping with being a good steward. Um, in addition to, to our um, taking care of God's earth, God also makes us stewards of, of his money. And I say his money because like the men in the parable, we don't come from the womb owning anything. Anything we have, we are given. So let's go to uh, 1 Chronicles 29, 14 through 17. Again, this is David. He says, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? For all things come from you, and from your hand we have given you. Much like the French fries, you know that you're snacking from your kids, you gave them the fries. And only from what you have given them do they give back. From your hand we have given you, for we are sojourners before you and tenants 
as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow and there is no hope. O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided to build you a house for your holy name, it is from your hand and is all yours. And since I know, O my God, that you try the heart and delight in uprightness, I, in the integrity of my heart, have willingly offered all these things. So now with joy, I have seen your people who are present here make their offerings willingly to you. God makes us stewards of his money. And I think this, and when we're talking about stewardship, this is a key that I think causes a lot of trouble, especially when it comes to money for people that don't really grasp this. This, this is not uh, something that enslaves you more. This is actually incredibly freeing. If you can grasp this, this is something that's going to free you up immensely. Uh, money disagreements right now are the second leading cause of divorce, only after infidelity. Money. Financial stress is one of the leading causes for suicide. Money, coins, dollars. And a lot of this is because we aren't viewing the money as truly God's and that we are just caretakers of it. Uh, we make poor financial decisions because we don't see ourselves as stewards of somebody else's property. And, and we stress about it like it's something we can make and create on our own. But if you can grasp that the money is God's, you are just required to take care of it. Use it for his purposes. That means your provision. That means the provision of others. That means giving to his house. That means, um, you know, all your other responsibilities. But you are utilizing his money for his purposes. And guess who has the cattle on a thousand hills? He's not going to let you run out if he doesn't want you to. This is very small stuff for it. They use it for paving stones in heaven. It's not something he's going to run out of. Deuteronomy 8.18. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who has given you power to make wealth. If you have two able hands and you're able to work a job, that's directly in line with God's gift of provision for you. Biblically, a good steward of money uh, provides for his own. He saves responsibly. Uh, he's a cheerful giver. Money is just a tool in the hand of a good steward. It's not a goal. It's a tool. Again, the money is God's. And we are required to manage it to the best of our ability. Um, additionally, God makes us stewards of not only his earth and money, but of our families. And this is a tough one, because I, I just said our families. But if, if what I'm saying about stewardship is right, these people that we're put in charge of and responsible for, we're merely stewards of. You know, we don't have a possession. It's, it's not ours in the sense that this is what we've gained. Uh, and there's, there's so many different verses that talk about our responsibilities as, you know, fathers, mothers, children, uh, sisters, brothers, and, and how we interact as a family a whole lot. Um, but we're told to provide for these families as, as stewards, uh, to provide for them, to disciple our children, uh, to respect our parents and those in authority, uh, to exhort our brothers and build them up. And we're called to love these families that have been entrusted to us. We're told to bring up our children in the fear and instruction of the Lord and to love our wives as our own body, as Christ loved the church, and to follow our husbands as, as a leader through Christ and to obey our parents in the Lord, for this is right. All of these are because these families that we've been put in are entrusted to us to take care of. Remember, our family still is under his ownership not ours, and we are required to take care of the family 
to the best of our ability. And in a more broad sense, God also makes us a steward of his body of believers. In 1 Peter 4.10, it says, As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And if you remember from uh, a handful of weeks ago, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. As stewards of his body of believers, we're asked to serve each other. We're asked to be advocates for reconciliation between each other. We're called to pray for each other and to support each other. And all of this is because this body of believers, again, that we're in is not ours, not our possession. We're put here to be good stewards. And I think there's a lot of church splits, a lot of disagreements, a lot of hurt feelings that occur because we aren't viewing these people as God's people. We'll call them God's people. We'll call ourselves God's people. But I don't think we really view it that way, as that these are truly God's possessions that he's entrusted to us to care for. And I think that would help a lot of disagreements and, and hurt that's in the church today if we could just grasp the ownership of God. In all things, especially money, but anything else, um, I think the best visual I can think of is this. As a steward, you are entrusted things. If you hold those things tightly with a closed hand, it, it is very, very tough for you to lose any of it. Sure, maybe. But it's also impossible for anything to be put back in. If I've got my fists closed around something, yeah, sure, somebody maybe won't be able to take those coins out, but also it's very hard for anybody to put them in. Also, as a good steward, I'm not called to hold things like this or one-handed or with one finger. Coins slip through your fingers if you're irresponsibly. Anything that you're given to hold, if you do not hold it, uh, you will lose it due to neglect and, and lack of care. We're called to hold everything God's given us in a cupped hand. Hold it carefully so that you don't lose it through neglect. But keep it open so that God can both put in and take out what he wills. Because it's his to begin with. And I think that's a very important thing to grasp. And this is freeing on a whole another level. And again, not just money. Although the parable was put in, in terms of money, I think for a reason. But if your home is truly something you were just put in charge of as a steward and it's God's home, why worry? Take care of it, yes. Concern yourself with being a good steward, but do not worry, it's God's. If the money that you are given or because God has entrusted to you his money and given you the, the will to work and the ability to work to earn that money, don't worry. This is God's. Take care of it to the best of your ability. But this shouldn't be the second leading cause of divorce in America or one of the leading causes for, for suicides. We are caretakers of God's kingdom. We're managers. We're employees of his. And this is all his anyway. And... If we can grasp that, I think that opens to us a little bit more of a fuller view of God's overall kingdom, of his uh, broad-ranging possessions, and truly his, his kingship and ownership over every aspect of our lives. So let's pray. 
Lord, we thank you so much that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that everything that you hold in your hand is yours. Because truth be told, we're not strong enough, smart enough, or, or willing enough to be able to, to really truly have ownership and to hold on to things as you would. We are merely stewards of everything that you have given us and that you have done in our lives. Lord, we ask that you strengthen our hands and our hearts to take care of these things that you've entrusted to us, our money, our families, our churches, and our world. That you help us to treat them with the care and responsibility that you desire. So that when all is said and done and we see you in eternity, you say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. That we can enter into the joy of your, your majesty and your glory. We thank you so much for everything that you've done for us. For the love that you've shown, that everything that you've given us, but most of all for your son. Through his death on the cross that we can even be in this conversation of being with you for all eternity. And we ask that anybody who has not received that love from you, that today would be the day. And we know that it, it is, it may be a, not the easiest thing, but that's not for lack of being simple. That turning a life over to you may be the hardest thing that we've ever done, but not because it's complicated. That all it, all it takes is to let go and let you come in. To say, Lord, that you are the king of my life. Forgive me for my sins. Come into my heart and help me to live for you. And that's all it takes. So I ask that you be with each and every one of us throughout the rest of this day and the rest of this week to remember that the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. And that we are stewards of all that you have given us. Thank you so much for everything you've done and everything you're doing. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.